Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. You're listening to episode 75. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and co-hosting with me is Rick Arroyo. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How you doing, Larry? Great, man. I'm looking forward to speaking with our guest, Michael Cuevas. He's a lead animator over at Blizzard Entertainment. He's been in the industry for 25 years and has worked on some amazing titles like Heroes of the Storm and multiple God of War titles. So I'm looking forward to getting him on this podcast be teaching with us and it's always great to get guys like this who have been in the industry that long you've got some quick announcements for us before we jump in yes i just, you know there's a lot of things going on but i want to let everyone know that you know we're all about animation improving your career creating a safe place and you know if you need a place you want you know something to focus on to help you get through uh you know sometimes some of these hard times uh, this is a place for you uh, if you have any questions about our programs or about our certification uh, you know or if we can help you, you know, get into the program or with your company, go always email me at rickianimate.net. And if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about uh, on the podcast, again, please just email me. Lastly, just to remind you that our podcasts are on Vimeo, YouTube. We are also now on Spotify and on iTunes. Right. Uh, please, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and. Uh, you know, in case you didn't know, in case you missed out, our next workshops will be starting uh, July 6th. Awesome. And please share the podcast. We've come across many people who've enjoyed them and said, hey, I didn't know they were out there. So yeah. um, listen, watch, and share. We'd greatly yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, share that positivity. We're trying to put out good things out there. So let's, Absolutely. Uh, you know, let's create a nice environment. All right. Well, let's join our guest here. A lot of uh, YouTube. Every time I see Denzel Washington, yeah. I'm like, that looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> how, how often you get that? You get that a lot, right? Denzel? Not, you get that not a lot? as much as Denzel. I, often I get like Will Smith, but not Denzel. Dude, not Denzel. <laughs> dude your, your, speech, your speech pattern and your manner, mannerisms, I'm like, oh, dude, that's Rick. Every time I see yeah, Denzel, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I, I almost, I'm trying to think about it, and I think, you know what? I will, I will have to agree. Like, in, in, in a funny way, I will agree. I also will say that I, I feel, I feel like I have like multiple sides, you know, like for many reasons. And I, I do agree that sometimes I might come off a little, you know, like Denzel, very, uh, you know, straight to the point, you know, strong. <laughs> yeah, nice. no, That's a compliment. I, I take it as a compliment. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, like, totally. I mean, uh, like, uh, I sometimes would, you know, uh, see any kind of clips of uh, him speaking and how he thinks and, and how he tries to communicate and, and present himself to the world. And I think, uh, you know, I, uh, I have to applaud him for everything I have seen uh, is like, oh, you know, that really, that's a, and that's a good way of, uh, you know, presenting yourself. I think it's in a, in a positive manner. And so yeah, yeah. That's why sure. I take it. That's why I try to take it. I'm like, you know, that, I'll take that. It was 100%, 100% uh, compliment. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is the outtake we need. We're going to put this outtake on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no. That's fantastic. So let's jump into it. Michael, first off, we just love to thank you for your time. Uh, here we are on a Saturday, taking time from uh, maybe family and such, and it's just always a neat opportunity to talk with you guys. I was looking at your bio earlier, 25 years in the industry. Um, we get a kind of eclectic group of uh, guests here, and it's just neat to be able to kind of get you in on this podcast. So thank you very much for your time. 
Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So first off, we're all in this industry of animation. How did you get in here? What made you want to get into animation? Well, you know, I, I guess there, this is kind of a two-part question. Uh, the first part is uh, what my career options were when I was about about 18. And, when, and obviously, I'm going to date myself here. But when I, was, <laughs> when I was 18, I believe it was 1994, 1995. And uh, I had come back to California. And uh, there were small trade schools that were offering uh, multimedia courses. And at the time, I really thought my future was going to be um, graphic design and desktop publishing. Mm. But it just so happened they had like a small little side program of uh, computer graphics and, and animation. So I went hard into that. And then uh, it, by sheer luck, there was a small company in San Diego that they were looking for uh, someone who's interested in making video games. And now mind you, my trade school, they were all about desktop publishing and illustrating. No one was looking at the video game job. So I was literally one of two applicants to that, to that, to that job on the job board. That's the best odds ever. <laughs> the best, right? So, so I got in and, you know, and, you know, I grew up in the 80s and, you know, I played with Atari and ColecoVision and stuff like that. I had zero idea how video games were made, mm. right? It's like this, this voodoo black magic. And let alone having a video game company in uh, my little part of San Diego, it just blew my mind, you know? And so I was, I was forever grateful uh, for, that, for that experience and that opportunity. So that was part one, getting into the industry. And then part two of the industry was I spent some time uh, with the company for probably 11 years in San Diego. And at the time I was a generalist and uh, we specialized in porting arcade games. And we were doing a couple of original titles at the time, um, mostly with mocap. Right? Mm. And uh, I met a guy who, uh, who, who came from traditional animation. He was probably the first one that I ever worked with that came from traditional animation. And he, I, I, I stepped into his office and he was, he was animating a character by hand. You know, this, at this point we were using a, uh, we were using film box, not, not motion builder, film box 1.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who are dated. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember film box. <laughs> oh man. The gray film hairs box. are really showing now. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is back when it was known as Alias Wavefront Maya. Mm. And he was animating Maya and it just, it blew my mind what he was doing because he was trying to apply traditional principles here in, uh, in the 3D environment. And he just took me under his wing and he's just like, hey, come on, man. Let's, you should try to be a 2D, you should try to be a traditional animator. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> sure, <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was great. And um and he was my first mentor. Um, and uh, yeah, and after that, it was just, it was nonstop. I'd, I tried to absorb as much as I could. And I'm like, from a generalist, I was like, animation was for me. It just, it just clicked for me. And I probably haven't looked back since. That's fantastic. I love that idea, though, of somebody being willing to share that information. We've talked about this in the prior podcast. I remember Keith Lingo and uh, quite a, obviously other guests and stuff, but just that idea that people were sharing that information. And I, I forget who the other one was. 
um, but didn't get the information sent, uh, willing to be shared with them. And they were like, you know what, I'm not going to ever do that to other people. And so it's just that idea of being able to get that information. Here's someone who's willing to take you under their wing. And here you are 25 plus years later doing animation and now teaching in our workshops, you know, doing the same thing. So it's amazing. It's amazing. And I'll say like, um, you back then there was a lot more, uh, an apprenticeship, you know, you, you were like, you went under someone's wing and that's kind of like my story as well. I had a lot of amazing animators, like uh, some a great, uh, artists that really forged, you know, forged my, my help forge my skills. And, um, I think a lot of our instructors bring that kind yeah. of that personal, like I had someone that took me under their wings <laughs> and helped me. And that, that's something I think that's, uh, that Michael's going to bring in that I, I just hearing him say that is just like, oh, I like, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you only knew. <laughs> so what were some of the biggest hurdles for you learning animation? Well, um, I think early on, you know, as much as uh, my mentor was very um, positive and very, uh, very willing to answer a lot of questions and kind of focus me in a direction. I, I did realize at some point, that I was lacking fundamentals and, mm. and I didn't know what, what it was yet. I didn't know I was lacking fundamentals, but the more I would grow a discerning eye for um, good animate quote unquote, good animation, right. At, at, at the feature level and at, at the highest levels of video game, I noticed that uh, minds were, my animation pieces were lacking mm. more or less. Right? Mm. And um, it was hard to find someplace that would uh, teach me fundamentals. And that, that's a weird thing, right? Because like, there's so much information out there that's readily available and free, but it really, uh, the, the multiple choices or the abundance of choice of like trying mm. to find where the good info is. Right, right. I think, I think that caused a little bit of a, a sticking point for me in terms of how do I, how do I nail down my fundamentals? Right. You know? You don't know what you don't know. And so if you come across some information, you don't know if that's helping you or making it worse. Correct. Yes. yes. I want to ask a question quickly. I know it's, I'm breaking the pattern here. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important. And I think, I, and, and I, there's something about that resonates is that, did you feel, did you feel that you're looking for, you know, somewhere or someone that can actually teach or help you uh, in your way, because, you know, I see a lot of like, uh, I don't want to open the Pandora's box, but sometimes there's a lot of things that are like, here's how we teach animation. And that's, this is how you're going to learn. Were you looking yeah. for like something that was more like, th- just follow this, or you were looking for something where there is, uh, there is, you know, a certain um, structure, but within the structure, you had someone that can help you learn the way you learn. Cause that's how I, I direct like that. I direct accordingly to the team and to the person and also mm-hmm. teach like that. Mm-hmm. But did you find you were uh, in that moment of like, you know, when you were searching for, to improve mm-hmm. your fundamentals, like what was your mm-hmm. mindset or like, what was. I'm yeah. So to, that, no, know? that's a really good question. And uh, what had happened was uh, I think I, I was around a lot of people that would give feedback, but they have a lot of very, um, I would say, subjective 
sort of words that they would use, right? They were, mm. They're very general words. Like if mm. you say mush, if you say, oh, your animation is mushy, what does that, <laughs> what does that mean, right? Can yeah, I, yeah. Qua- can you quantify what mushy is? Yeah, yeah. And I don't expect, I don't expect numbers, right? I don't expect you yeah, like, yeah. well, just change X to like 3.5 <laughs> instead of 4.5, something <laughs> like that. Scale it by 1.5. But uh, the, the biggest, <laughs> yeah, the, bi- the biggest breakthrough was when someone showed me um, how fundamentals like the bouncing ball overlaps and stuff like that get applied at the micro level every time you execute an animation. And then once that person did that, to answer your question, Rick, I like I was looking more of a of a why, right? Mm. Like a lot mm. of people were saying, just do, trust me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh sure. This you know, is that's, how, that's the, but not yeah. the why. Mm-hmm. But not but not the why. And then as soon as someone showed me the why part, yeah. Um that was that was, bulb, that was a good yeah, light bulb. Gotcha. That, that's something that that's amazing that you you were able to get your why answered and then help you to you know to know how and then the steps. And I think yeah. having that experience will help so much when you know other other students have questions or your team you know because you know you're 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 driving a team at, at Blizzard when they have questions at least you can answer it in different ways for them to to help the team move forward. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Very awesome. Yeah. What I love about this too is I remember we did a podcast. This was back when uh, DreamWorks had released Turbo and I asked him about, you know, the snail and stuff like that. And uh, I think it was Chris Kirschbaum, one of our instructors, he talked about how basically the snail was three balancing balls. You had the uh, bottom, the middle and the head. And they just all kind of had that little bit of overlap from one another, but it was basically a bouncing ball, you know? So it just, I, I love when you're starting to talk about this fundamentals because typically animation, you want to jump right into the character and want to do, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, you got to get these solid and get these down first before you kind of start moving on because you're going to carry those all the way through. I'm going to say this and I want your guys' opinion. The fundamentals are your tools, right? Understanding fundamentals, how to use the fundamentals mm-hmm. are your tools. Yes, yes. Once you have, you know, what, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, or you, I can't find the English word, uh, you know, whatever tool it is, a hammer and screwdriver, right? <laughs> right. The fundamentals are that. Mm-hmm. When you know how to use those tools, then you could become a craftsman. Yeah, yeah, yep. so the, yeah. So I like, you know, I don't know if you guys agree, but that's sometimes like, no, I like that. The, but, you know, bouncing ball, man, like you should do a million bouncing balls. You, know, you just did one, like I did bouncing ball. They'll make that bouncing ball have show me how, how can you show character in a ball? Like, right, you can right. Do that. that is the right. tool. And then right. you can apply that and get really complex and, and, and really, really develop real character yeah. grounded in the world. So that's. Well, that's, that's interesting that you bring up uh, the bouncing ball because I think. I don't know if you guys read, uh, I've been in teaching for quite a while and the biggest challenge is like, I know in my heart, like, well, I got to nail, I got to nail these fundamentals, right? You guys, when, when I'm teaching students, I'm like, please, you don't know how important these fundamentals are. <laughs> and then the challenge for me is to make the bouncing ball exercise engaging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that is the part that, uh, I think that really kind of turned the corner for me in terms of teaching. It's like, how do I make exercises uh, for, for today's student, quote unquote, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with, so many, with so many challenges of, you know, of distraction and stuff like that. I mean, really, I mean, obviously part of it is like the student's commitment, but also at the same time too, it's like, am I, am I doing my part to make sure that you're engaged? And, that, and just the fundamentals by itself, it's like, here's a bouncing ball. And I'm like, well, how else can we apply this bouncing ball? Well 
you know, here's a guy falling on a mat, right? Here's a cartoony guy falling on a mat. Here's mm. how pro wrestlers do this, right? And it was like, oh, there's, there's bouncing ball everywhere you look. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Good time. That's great. <laughs> so now, what were the, some, the studios that you first started in? What were, those, what were the names of those ones? So the very first one, man. So the very That's why I love hearing one. these because it's kind of, this, the podcast kind of becomes a bit of a time capsule too. So that's why I like these. There. So what was the name of that studio? So the first one was actually a contracting company, a company that was contracted by Surtec Interactive. And what mm-hmm. we were doing was Wizardry 7. This was okay. So I'm gonna. So <laughs> sorry. This was. I've playing games for a while too. And I'm not familiar yeah, with that one. This is during the transition from DOS to Windows games. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You had to put uh, floppy disk and yeah, you had yeah. To put multiple floppy disks. Yeah. Yep. So, if, if so this was during that transitory disks. period between uh, nice between operating systems. So it was. They were called Surtech. I'm sorry. They were called uh, Media Interactive Studios, and they were in San Diego, and there was, it was about five people. So what was your primary job doing that? Because you said you were kind of a generalist. What were some of the things would, you would do? I would uh, fix. Uh, so we were, we were up-resing sprites from uh, 320 by 200 or whatever uh, <laughs> resolution to uh, 640 by 480 because, you know, it was H- that was HD at the time. That was wild. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was just learning how to do things like batch process and fit things on disk and, mm. and doing a lot of uh, technical stuff, not as much um, artistic stuff. Okay. There was a point where they were pitching. They were about to pitch their own original game. And then they got deep into uh, 3D studio work. Back then, we were ju- it was just called 3D Studio R4. Or, you know, there was no Max yet. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we did a lot of uh, prototyping in there. So I did a little bit of 3D and texture mapping. So that, gotcha. that, was, that was the first company. Okay. Yeah. And then the second company, that's when you started getting into the animation because you had somebody who kind of took you under their wings. Yes. So yeah, okay. that was the, the second company was uh, Midway Games San Diego. Okay. Uh, they were formerly Trade West, Leland Trade West. They did Battletoads and mm. stuff like that. And then they got, uh, they got absorbed by Midway Games. I might, I might have some of this history wrong. But I was actually brought on board to, uh, <laughs> at first, I was brought on board to um, do 2D stuff because they liked my illustrations at the time. Oh, nice. But uh, ended up doing some technical stuff again. We were trying to fit Mortal Kombat 3 onto the N64. Okay. So there was a lot of uh, sprite manipulation and stuff like that. And then it wasn't until I got onto Doom for the N64 and for also for the first PlayStation. Mm. That's when I started doing a little bit more kind of upper end console work. Um, around the time of the Dreamcast, we actually pitched a boxing game and that sold that. We actually, we pitched and released a box game called uh, Ready to Rumble Boxing. Mm. And I was one of maybe two animators. Uh, we did mocap. I also built models. I also texture mapped and I rigged. Gotcha. So it was kind of all the way around. And then towards the, the end of my career, uh, that's around the time that I, that I got into to animation. And eventually the the studio, you know, um, reduced in size quite a bit. And then I moved up to Orange County. How has a lot of that um, generalist 
served you in some of the roles you've been in as an animator? It's uh, served me quite a bit um, because I don't wait. Well, at least I try not to wait for other people to help me fix the 5% problem. Gotcha. Right? This vert is not where it should be. Oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> I, need, I need to move this joint. I know how to do that too, you know. Um, just sort of watching the, the idea of like watching each other's back, you know, as you're gotcha. working on stuff and things are going through a pipeline. I felt like I was a little bit more more flexible, I would say. See, that's why this guy's been in the industry for 25 years. Yeah, Rick. yeah. I think I think this uh, something uh, a lesson. I'm I, and Mike, I want you to 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 add if you can add to this. I think a lesson that you know we have talked about this, Larry, multiple times. The importance to be adaptive. Right. And I have so much to say, uh, and I will be saying something really soon about the, the future of our industry and how it's how it's changing and evolving. But to be adaptive, the fact that, Mike, you have that experience of being super technical, which, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, this in common, same as Richard Leco, being super technical and be able to take that, all those learnings, and then when you really, you know, step as now as an animator, you can problem solve, you can adapt, you do not always have to rely on others to, you know, fix your rig or fix your textures, or I think that is super important. And the value of knowing the different aspects of of any you know cg uh, film commercial games production will benefit you greatly not just now but up you know even further along your careers and that people should learn more about mm -hmm. the other aspects so i mean is there any examples that you think uh, you could give that that really uh can um you know support the idea of like don't just don't just limit yourself to you know just thinking yourself as just an animator but as mm -hmm. an animator but also an artist that has other skill sets yeah a good example is probably uh i probably can't touch too much on it but good example is probably my current situation right now you know i went from being a hyper-focused specialist at blizzard when i first came to blizzard um, at least at the time, the uh, lead artist that hired me for the game I was working on was like, we hired you because you can do animation combat, right? Yeah. And if you think about the breadth of things that you can do in the industry, animation combat is, combat animation is like, mm, like this really, <laughs> really hyper-focused like, thing. Like, I can swing, I can swing, I can jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, of course, I touched on other animations, but they, they brought me in as a specialist on a game that was in production, right? So there were, there were timetables, there were deadlines and things like that, and there was a release schedule. So I kind of fit in, I'm, you know, and it's not, you know, this, this, this isn't a negative sort of way to say it, but, I, you know, I kind of slotted into my role, um, you know, and I was able to uh, help things move along. I would help make the assets move along. However, you know, as big as Blizzard is, eventually, you know, it com there comes a time, and this has happened at other companies too, where they want to explore, right? They want to explore uh, new ideas and, and new possibilities. And when they explore things, they don't want someone that's hyper-focused. They're going to take a small group of people, they're going to sit them in a room, 
and they're basically like your game jams, right? They're going to say, Hey, come up with something. And I'm and I, there's no time for me to go, Hey, can I get a tech artist to look at this? Right. Yeah. Hey, can, yeah. can I get the modeler to fix this? Right. Yeah. If you want to help out when your company starts to innovate, right. It really helps to have a wide breadth of skills. Mm. Yeah, that was my point in saying that's why you've been in the industry for so long. It makes you more versatile. It makes you more valuable. Um, I used to, you know, you, you probably heard that saying, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. I, I, I've heard a, a variation of that, jack of all trades, master of one, you know? So mm-hmm. you're a master in what the one thing you do, but you still have to know these other aspects of it that help mm-hmm. fill in. Yeah. Yeah. And make you and valuable. There's, there's, so. there's another thing that um, some of my friends in the military would say. And they would say, there is this kind of two parts. Well, the first thing they would say is uh, slow is smooth and then smooth is fast. And the second part is really what stuck with me. Smooth is fast. And whenever I'm in a situation, no matter what my role is, like it helps to just make things smooth, right? Mm. Everything from your skill to your personality, you want to make the experience smooth because things go so much faster. Gotcha. You're able to smooth out bumps, right? That's cool. cool. I like that. I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not following you. They're like, oh, no, I'm that's good. good. That. So if anyone at Ubisoft, if anyone at Ubisoft, like, hey, let's just make it smooth. It's, it's faster. It it's smooth. I mean, obviously, 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 you do want to raise your hand when there's a problem, right? Yeah. But like 90% of the time, you know, it's like you're just trying to make things move as smoothly as possible. Now, how long have you been at Blizzard? I'm almost at six years now. Okay. Yeah. So that was when they brought you on as a, as a specialist and you've been on since about six years now since. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the games you've worked on there? I helped out with, well, the main game I was on was uh, Heroes of the Storm, mm. um, which was, yeah, our brawler game. And then I also helped on uh, Legacy of the Void, which was the, the last StarCraft expansion. And then... Uh, I kind of jumped around. I helped around with uh, Warcraft 3 Reforge, the, the re-release, just doing some animation work on, on that. And that, now, that, that's about it. Now, that Heroes of the Storm, did you work on that with uh, Lena Belinsky? Yeah, Lana. Lana, she will, yes. She will, uh, she, will, she will find this video and tell you it's pronounced Lana like banana. We've had her on the podcast. That's why, that's why I so paused because I could never that. do it right. I could never do it right. I'm thinking. I was like, he's going for it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I got the last name right. Belinsky. That was, that's a little but, bit. Oh, I think, hey, man, yeah. power to you. Did I get that right? Wrong too? I think, is it Bacinski? Oh, I think you did Bacinski? Oh, man. Okay. So I'm going to dub myself correctly coming in on the, <laughs> no 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 we, so we had her on a podcast we, we, we love you you know we, we we you know i talked to lana a few times i, I put some some interesting things on the table for her i was like hey lana you know we'd love to have you come back you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> i'm just saying it again positive things you know <laughs> yeah 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 we had her on a podcast a few back but yeah great yeah, yeah. great gal and uh yeah fun podcast. I remember her saying that she worked on that one. So yeah. yeah Anything in particular you enjoyed about that game? Um, you know, uh, yeah, there's so much. I think the biggest thing is, um, we were around the time we were re- 
we released Overwatch. You know, I was at Blizzard uh-huh. when we released Overwatch, and they had all these cool characters. And uh, my, uh, I hope my boss is listening. But my, my, uh, my bucket list item is to work on a fighting game eventually, right? But Heroes of the Storm was probably the closest that you can get to uh, working on a fighting game, or at least mm-hmm. for me. And uh, if you had told me. Uh, five years ago that I would be animating a cyborg ninja, a mechanical dragon, uh, and then all the great uh, Warcraft heroes, I would, I would not have believed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, yeah. Just, you're like the candy store. It's like, I want this, I want that. I want... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I look back at it now, I'm just like, wow. Okay, I got a question for you. I got a question, okay. right? And I think this is, and I'm trying to bring it from, from a, uh, you know, from a young animator or from animators been doing it for a few years. How did you feel when you, like, what were the feelings? What were your thoughts? What were you, like, how do you approach when you got a, that character that has such an importance? It's coming from an amazing studio, amazing brand. Like, how did you get, how do you feel and how do you control those feelings and how do you start off your animation? Like, what are the things you're thinking about or the questions that are going through your mind? I think uh, that's, that's interesting because <laughs> I think, I think I could, I could not control my feelings. First of all, that's I, was pretty, yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty excited, but I also understood too that there were already existing examples like mm-hmm. this character had, and they were established as a character. I would say most of the time, these characters were already established. And then it's just a matter of uh, working with the uh, progenitors or the originators of, of that character's personality, ask them as many questions, try to get examples, and then do, the, do some research. We have you know, a lot of cinematics that can show you um, sort of like uh, what the character does or, or a little bit or, or some of the things that are kind of iconic about that. Right. So like, especially with the Overwatch characters, you know, we interfaced with them all the time. You know, every time uh, we were starting a new character and then we would have regular checkpoints and make sure that we we worked with that team to make sure that we uh, represented represented uh, the base flavor of that character correctly. So, yeah, that's I mean, obviously, you know, the experience, the maturity, the, the, the you know, the the responsibility of developing like you clearly understood that and or, I mean you, you obviously right but for a young artist like, or like when you think yourself previously what I'm trying to get at is you know sometimes uh, an artist tries to put they they think they know the character but they're actually trying to put too much that is not of mm-hmm. the character how mm-hmm. like did you have a hard time I doubt it but I mean maybe when you're a younger animator mm-hmm. you know you know, 20, 25 years ago, but did you have mm-hmm. a hard time separating yourself, you know, your thoughts, your ideas from what was, what was needed? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like I'm I think like, animators are, our, our audience should listen to this truth, this, this experience. Like sometimes we want to do something, but it's not mm-hmm. right. for right. The Even though we love it. I totally, yeah. yeah. I totally, I totally separate. I totally separate, uh, personal expression from mm-hmm. responsibility mm-hmm. you know so yeah. when when i go to work you know and uh and i'm working on a game and i'm working on a franchise it is my response responsibility to make sure that it's uh, represented correctly in in the things that i do it's it's very similar to like 
comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's been so many writers of Batman, right? So many people have written Batman. Yeah. But every time Batman changes hands to another writer, they know they have a personal responsibility to the to the fans yeah. and, and to DC yeah. that they have to represent Batman in a way that's true, right? You can change yeah. some things, but there's like, like Batman doesn't wear push it. I wouldn't say change. Yeah. I'm so I like I'm yeah. very opinionated. Well, yeah, I love yeah, Batman. Yeah, I love yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You yeah, could yeah. push <laughs> Batman yeah. to to yeah. to his own limits, but yeah. you yeah. don't want to change <laughs> because then it wouldn't be the true Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a really good one because um, when I first arrived on Heroes of the Storm, obviously, the you will be surprised what uh, influence goes into making uh, Blizzard characters, right? Mm. So I quickly found out it wasn't helpful to ask like my art director at the time. I'm like, hey, how should this character be, right? Like even before that, Mm -hmm. they had it in their mind, things that influenced this character from like other parts of, uh, you know, pop culture, history and stuff like that. So when I asked like, who is Arthas, right? Mm It's like, well, you know, it's the easy answer is to get like, well, here's all these examples, right? But then if I ask my art director, he's like, hey, Arthas was inspired by this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it's even more, uh, I would say, focused. and was even more helpful to hear what their thought was going into making Arthas rather than looking at the examples. Does that someone, else's, someone else's Does, interpretation of what this person designed it as. Did you yeah. feel it helped you? Um, I know I'm getting starting to jump in deep. Did it? Did you find it help you understand who the character was so you made a believable character, a believable performance? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, and, and also touching back on uh, going back, I guess the mindset was like, I'm not here to express myself. I'm here to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to solve a problem. The problem is, is that we need to get this character that has all these examples uh, that existed before in other formats. Now we want him to be represented in this format. So that's that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't know if that's uh, too simplistic, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, I think I've been accused a lot of times, well, not accused, but I know I'm not like a, I don't consider myself an artist, right? I consider myself a tradesman, mm-hmm. like like a carpenter, yeah. like, you know, someone that, that a skilled trade, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I, yeah, I, I that's the best I can put it. <laughs> no, that's quite interesting, Larry. I mean, you have to have questions on that. Well, like, neat- I got questions. And like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, I, I think that's a tough, um, a tough pill to swallow. I think sometimes because I, I would agree with you on that because we're coming in to somebody else's vision and I'm here to help them achieve that. I think there's an aspect that we're not just cogs and robots doing this. There is that ability now. You're you're going to represent that character slightly different than someone else may, but it's still like Rick was saying within that framework here. Mm-hmm. Um, that other part I do like about this though, is that you were talking about, you know, when uh, they might pull some, a group in to come up with a new design, that's the part where now you get to be that a bit more of an artist and right. direct something there. But on this yeah. issue, you've got to meet this character. We've, we've established this character. You've got to represent them. And that, so that's why yeah. I said, I agree with you on that. There's, there's times and seasons, I guess, to kind of be able to express yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And there's other times as a skilled tradesman to uh, execute what you've been trained to do. Yeah. yeah. Another, another good example is uh, here's a good example is uh, 
Valera from uh, World of Warcraft, there were no examples of her really, right? So like there was like a statue, a Hearthstone card, and then her standing in World of Warcraft, right? In WoW, mm -hmm. just like standing and breathing. There was like literally no other, re oh, in the comic book too. So there's really no uh, examples of uh, what this character is other than those, those, oh, those things. So that was the time your right. expression, that's right. where more of your creativity comes in. It's like, okay, right. now here's a, here's a chance for me to explore, right? But like I said, I think I'm, and I'm with you, I think that's important to know though, because then you don't get frustrated. Well, how come I can't do this? Because this, this is the role you're in right now. I'm yeah. here to execute something here. Oh, okay, yeah. great. I'm not yeah. frustrated now because I know what I'm supposed to do right now. But animators, artists, or, or you know, craftsmen, uh, you can, you can, even though you have, a, you know, a certain box or, you know, your, a certain goal that you need to meet, you can still find ways to take care of your passion, creativity, and right. put in by, you know, challenge. I see it as challenge your creativity and see how you can you get that results, but putting the most mm -hmm. creativity in it. And, right. and I said this, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was doing, uh, I'm doing a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions with, uh, with, uh, you know, animators, you know, a little bit from around the world. And one thing I would tell them on the private sessions is, you know, you could create an animation for you. Right. But one thing you need to train yourself is that when you're creating something you're creating for, you know, the studio for, you know, for the IP, the brand, or for the director, you don't own it. So you need to learn to be mm -hmm. creative with those mm -hmm. certain constraints right. and enjoy it as a challenge. Like you need to mm -hmm. do this character, uh, he's already been established, but mm -hmm. you know, what can you bring to this character or you know, really put highlight about this character that's important? And I think you know, uh, artists need to understand that when yeah. you're doing something for a company, make sure that you know you're not this is not your animation this is not your yeah. character this is not your brand or ip you don't own it yeah, it's yeah. not your shot it is your chance to create and do something for the company or do something but it's your chance to be creative and work in that that uh, that box so yep i just yeah. love how like this i think that's something like i want artists to listen to you know your story and, and like hey Guys, there's a learning right here. Yeah. <laughs> Please grab it. You know? uh, oh, yeah, I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound like a really old guy now, but uh, <laughs> I think there is something, especially early on, is trying to learn a healthy detachment mm -hmm. to what you're doing. Right, a healthy detachment, not like a complete detachment, because then you're not gonna be motivated, but like a healthy enough detachment. And I find that. The best mindset for me, and I, and even then, I'm not perfect. I struggle with it. Is that just to, in, I try to enjoy the process more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I try not to worry too much about result or, uh, you know, ownership. I guess yeah, you would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try, I, I try to focus on the day-to-day -day process. You know, try to try to shrink down my my time horizon in terms of expectations, and that seems to that seems to help me out a lot. Nice. One of the things I find most fulfilling as an artist is meeting, not only just meeting the client's target, but exceeding that. And so part of it is keeping it within, Hey, that's exactly what I envisioned. That's, that's, that, man, that's even, you know, that's the part where I go, then you find fulfillment in the, in what you do as a, as a artist slash craftsman there. That's, yeah. that's, you know, the job, the job there. 
where I feel like there's most creative in there because I'm, I'm meeting that target and even ex- exceeding it because they, yeah. they aren't able to do that. That's why they've hired you. So now it's as an artist craftsman, it's your opportunity now to take what they have in their mind and best can describe it and just blow them away. Right. Exactly. You want You want a better representation than what they imagine. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you've been at um, Blizzard here. You said there's some things you can't talk about right now. What are you most enjoying about the video game industry right now? We just recently had uh, PlayStation 5 show off some mm. really, really cool stuff here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I said it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man. It's just, wow, it's just so crazy uh, seeing everything. I will say, though, the best thing about my social media feeds right now is seeing how many people despite the circumstances that that we're in are working mm. ha- and also have gained new jobs right or have have uh, been hired in new jobs cool. and our industry out of all the things I've, i'm like that's just amazing to me that people are getting hired you know mm. and and gaining traction in their career right. even at a time like this right right, right. That, that's crazy that's I very have, cool i have so much insight oh my god <laughs> like behind the scenes <laughs> this is going to zoom. <laughs> right there's uh like our industry is amazing i love our industry there's so much we can do and there's so much that's coming mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm holding back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think I think that, and then the second thing is just kind of the, um, I, I think we have a pretty healthy animation community, like on the social media feeds, you know, yes. there's, there's a lot of examples and um, a lot of people sharing, you know, so mm. that, that's, that was something that was, that's, that wasn't available to me at the time I was learning, right? Gotcha. I didn't have a community in addition to a mentor. You know, I just had the mentor and then maybe a couple of message boards here and there, but I didn't have this sort of instant access to uh, both inspiration and feedback. Gotcha. Now you mentioned your idea would be to do a fighting game. Any favorites from the past <laughs> that you've enjoyed with, you know, Super Smash Brothers or Street Fighter or what Mortal Kombat, oh, what? Uh, Tekken uh, or... Uh, dream, yeah. dream, dream job would be if... Uh, if I got to do a Darkstalkers remake, I, I don't oh, know if Capcom's, if Capcom's going to hear this or my boss is going to hear this. <laughs> Darkstalkers, Darkstalkers was kind of like the, uh, was kind of Street Fighter with uh, monsters. Uh, yeah, I got to look this oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember I, that one. I don't, I don't remember this. I'm like. Okay, I just pulled yeah. it up. Yeah, I do remember that one. Okay, now I was looking at your bio and you talk a lot about character and creature so is that why you lean towards that one here because of the creature aspect as well yeah i think after uh after working on god of war i kind of grew a taste for for creature combat uh-huh. as well or creature animation okay so i i like to mix i like the mix of both okay i, I love i love the so i know mike for 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 a while michael uh you know uh, when i moved um when i was uh, living in california we worked together at the same company at the uh, um uh, obsidian and and uh you know he can he could dibble that one anything right and that's what's fun you know we weren't on the same projects uh i was working on a different project and he was um on, on, on the other side of the building but when we would talk or when we would uh you know 
you know, this hangout, like his interest, his passion, his knowledge is like, it was like, and I've been, you know, for those who don't know, I've been talking to Michael uh, from to join iAnimate for a while. A few years back, I reached out to him and didn't work out. Timing was wrong, but he has so much knowledge and, and I've just lost my thought. I'm just excited. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows a lot of things and he's going to be teaching it. <laughs> Well, I would, I would thought, say, man. I would say, I, yeah, I would say I have, there's, there's a lot of experience there for sure. But I think, I think I'm always, I'm always looking for uh, knowledge, I guess. Mm. I'm always, te- I'm always testing my knowledge against, uh, against reality, I guess. And, and, and teaching is like that. That's like the best place to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you love to always look for knowledge, you're always looking to learn, uh, super humble, you know, like, it's like, you know, I think it's really important. It's an important uh, I don't know example if I'm, to I'm, set. I don't know if I'm humble. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I could, uh, you know, I, I'm very confident. You portrayed it so far on the podcast. You just blew it though now. No. <laughs> yeah, 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 you blew it. You blew it. And I was like, he's not humble, you know. But the fact that, you, that you're hungry for knowledge and you're still always looking to, to grow, uh, you know, uh, your career and yourself, it's something that I I really value and that I want uh, you know in any form possible to for our students who take the workshops to to see that and to be inspired by that and to actually right. learn and use that for their careers right because the industry just started right this is the I've been saying this and and some of uh, the people you know I train or any of my father ones out there this is a new cycle and if you're not aware of what's coming, I can tell you is extremely exciting and and the, the future is super bright for our industry. Super bright. Okay, I gotta ask you a question then, Rick, and maybe you can't talk about it now. I'll talk about anything. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be sharing a lot soon. I, okay, I and maybe anything. So you let me know if we have to wait for this. But no. obviously yeah. video games have been around yes. for decades. Yes. So what do you mean by new cycle? So, so like every industry, I think we talked about this before. I don't know. Like every industry, there's a, a new cycle. Like, so we take 2D to 3D, right? The, mm-hmm. You know, 2D animators, uh, you know, they're amazing. And then the 3D came out and there's many, uh, many that did not make the transition. But 2D is still alive and we all love 2D. And, right. And it's a really awesome. Uh, but those who were able to take the 2D experience to bring 3D, they really benefit from it. And then during that period of 3D, the motion capture kicked in, right? Motion capture is still in a very early stage. It has even yet, yet done what it needs to do. I'm like, I still teaching techniques that, that very few even know about. I'm like, do this. Like the, what is, uh, so the question was, uh, the question, what was the question again? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're so excited that you your mind's all over so it the is, question is, is the cycle so you know oh, yeah the cycle video games is, have been around for decades yeah, so yeah the there's i'm gonna say it as simple as i can um i see the industry uh kind of splitting you know into two parts or even potentially three uh first part is what we have you know the big studios that will continue right they will need to to adapt you know, because sometimes big, big studios don't move as fast anymore because mm. there's, there's so much going on. Uh, the indie studios are, are going to create their own kind of thing where owns their own type of development, their own type of size of games. And then what we have right now that, that you know, some artists says, you know, yes, the industry is booming. Yes, we are hiring. But some say like, I can't find a job because, you know, the, you know, it is 
it's, you know, yes, we are hiring, but there's, you know, there's not you know, 8 million, you know, animator shops that that industry there guided properly, they can do some amazing things, but very small development, but do great things. I believe in that industry has yet to understand where they're at uh, in terms of, you know, small games. Anyone can make a game and, and sell it and put it on a phone or put it on Steam or anyone can do that now. Mm-hmm. When we started, it was not, you know, you had a publisher. It was very. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a lot. You can do small things, super short game. It doesn't have to be big and long. It can be super short. It could be mm. a game that takes you a day to finish and it could do well and you can do well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you're saying the ability for, you know, Unity, uh, Unreal. Yeah. People are able to get their hands on this game engines. 3D is obviously much cheaper applications than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And that, it's that all your, yeah, your exactly. fingertips. Yeah. And now where we're back at and said, you know, we have specialists or we have specialists. We have the in-between and now we're starting again that everyone's becoming like a game developer. They need to do everything. We're back at that stage. 20 years ago, you were animating, rigging, texturing, integrating, right. coding, and then, you know, then less and less. But now there's a whole breed of artists that are doing the exact same thing that we did 20, 25, 30 years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is the new cycle. They are bringing in new tech, AR, VR, you know, mobile, uh, you name it, that is coming. So I'm very excited about what they're doing. I love what we're doing here. And I know that this is the future. If you can't see it, then you need to start looking at it and really dig deep. The, in this, the community, online community that we have and that's out there, the animation community, I will be reaching out to them. Mm. I'm going to like, there's amazing stuff. And, you know, anyways. No, that's that's great. That's what. Yeah, <laughs> I broke. I broke a sweat a little bit. Hey, uh, did I sound like Denzel Washington or like? Uh... <laughs> That's a good inside joke. You sound like a preacher. You're a preaching man. <laughs> yeah, man. If they all, like if we only knew. <laughs> like it's a great time. All right. It's a great time. Hard time, yeah. but a great time. Yeah, and that's that, you know we've kind of talked a little about this. This was off camera. They yeah. just even the other day though about preparing now for that future though yes and so that's why i I love what we do here at animate i love that we're able to get instructors like you michael coming in here um and being able to teach people getting them ready to get out and do exactly what you're talking about rick so what workshop will you be teaching michael i'm doing a game workshop too which is uh, combat and takedown oh cool okay now you've have a background in teaching here what do you enjoy mostly uh, or most about teaching the well you kind of alluded a little bit that reality part of it too but well the the one thing is uh uh obviously i think that every teacher has the uh seeing a kid uh or kid seeing a student get that aha moment you know kind of see that moment where everything kind of clicks for them that's super rewarding it's but it's a rarity right you kind of you cherish it because it's a rarity um, but the other thing that I like is the adapting my knowledge to uh, the types of students that we have. And, and Richard talked about it. Um, you can't, when I first started out, I had like a, I laid out my plan, a syllabus. And it was just like, as soon as I got to the class and I started teaching, I was just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you couldn't, 
you couldn't hold on to it. So I learned very fast that you have to be pretty agile in terms of adapting to uh, the rate at which uh, information gets absorbed, applied, and mm. understood. That's great. And, and it's like at an individual level, right? So that to me is very exciting because I get to do things like, hey, this is what I think is true, right? Here it is. It doesn't work for you man, now I have to go back and figure out how to make it work for you. Right, right. Like I, thought, I thought this would work for you, but it doesn't. So let me, let me go back and figure that out. And I feel like every time that cycle happens, like it's a, a positive feedback loop for both myself as a teacher and, and the student, right? You want, you want that, right? You both are going to grow that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds so cliche. Like it sounds like a... No, that's like, great. That's, <laughs> <you know? laughs> there, there's fundamentals across the board that you, but you go, how does that adapt to each person? Because each person's unique and an, individ yeah. an individual. Um, they take it in at different levels. They understand what you're saying, you know, um, at different times. Uh, so yeah, that's why I like that you said that light bulb moments are rare. It's it's not because people don't get a it click. It's just the learning curve as people. It's it's a path. It's a journey. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So trying to figure out how to hit that target, that's, that's fantastic. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought too now, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a, a, hopefully with a positive impact on you. No. <laughs> I, as, as, as uh, you know, I think, you know, I always like to ask, you know, what are the, the things you hope, um, students will be able to get out of your workshop? I think that's something that, I think that's an important question. It's like, what do you want students to get out of your workshop or like to, what kind of impact or what, what are you hoping from teaching in, in this workshop? What I'm hoping is, is I think every time I've, I've gone into teaching is that, I, what I'm hoping is that students will add more tools to their toolbox that they've already had. So this is like a games workshop too. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume that they're good enough or they've had enough experience, you know, they've, they've done enough animation to have collected some tools and some processes. And I hope that they uh, gain more tools for, uh, for their own uh, personal process. That's probably number one. And then number two, I'm hoping that they can sort of find ways to be motivated, right? And try to still, uh, I'm having a hard time with the English words for this one too. Mm -hmm. Still have that fire of discovery, right? You still mm -hmm. gotta have that, that, uh, that curiosity. You're gonna do the bouncing balls, you're gonna do the flower sacks, you're gonna do the tails and stuff like that, but you still need to find it in yourself and hopefully I can help uh, inspire that curiosity. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So I'm going to ask some more questions here. This is kind of more just personal. Okay. Any favorite games from your, you know, past years that you just not necessarily had to work on just all time favorites. If you can get a console and a handful of video games, these are the ones I'd grab. Console and a handful of games. The first, I would definitely have a PS4. Sorry, Microsoft. I would have a PS4 and it would be God of War. It would be Sony Spider-Man. It would be Final Fantasy Remake. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. 
Right? <laughs> they they have, you know, like all three of them. And from what I understand of production, um, I'm going to make it a lot of assumptions. They have a mix of both mocap, performance capture, and uh, keyframe animation. And then seeing those two things blend together, along with camera work, pushing the next gen system. Yeah, those are like, like I, I've literally played through Spider-Man at least five times now. And I'm on my third <laughs> playthrough of uh, Final Fantasy. Very cool. Then did you ever play the original Final Fantasy? Oh yeah. Of that one? How, do, how does it compare? Or what, what's the, you know, are you like, this is rad or you know what? It's not, it's not as good as the original, you know, I, I don't know. You know, uh, do you guys remember going to arcades? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember when you would walk into the arcade, arcades would have this uh, scent, I guess. Okay. Like, or, oh, the, like the aura, ozone. The vibe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vibe. But even just the, the, the tactile smell and mm -hmm. everything. And then whenever you run into that again, it, it brings you back mm -hmm. to the first time you, you experience an arcade. And that, that's the same thing with Final Fantasy. Like I could tell you. That's cool exactly what happened in my life like what was going on in my life when final fantasy 7 comes out came out yeah. mm -hmm. so like playing this even though it was different it still like brought me back very cool so they did it justice then huh? i think so okay i think so that's very my cool. controversial i know some people will disagree but i'm just like this was great <laughs> <laughs> any favorite old school ones that you grew up and were kind of um, shaped you. you. You know, you mentioned you love fighting. Was there any fighters that you, you know, you mentioned you grew up, was there any old school games that you just like, they shaped Whoa, you uh, as, a, as a gamer? Um, when I was uh, in the arcades, I would say there was, a, there was this game called Yair Kung Fu. And uh, it was kind of the, it was the, pre there was that, there was Karate Champ, Man, I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> but Yair Kung Fu was one of the one of those first games where they they kind of went away from realistic kind of combat mm. and went into this like super like they would jump like 20 feet in the air and like you would fight against all different types of martial arts and stuff like that. But it was just that one it was, I'm it sure I've played it. <laughs> How I old am I? <laughs> I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> hey, you know what I do love about that, though? Is you've seen, and I, I think we're all pretty close, we've seen the evolution of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you've seen it at this stage, and your, your, your vision isn't just like this. Your vision is like opened up because you've seen the whole – evolution of it and so you've had an appreciation of the sprites and you know resing up the texture map from two 200 to 600 you know you you appreciate all of that and you can see and i so that's why i think you've got an even greater appreciation for the remake of the final fantasy 7 not just because of this the you played the first one there's a nostalgia with it you know where it's kind of come from so to speak if that makes yeah. sense so that's yeah. what i love about that um okay uh I see a guitar in the background. Any extracurricular activities you enjoy? You enjoy playing music? I mean, is that a passion? Did you start that or? Oh, well, I think it, it's part and parcel to, uh, uh, I think every Filipino either sings karaoke, plays guitar, <laughs> break dances, or drums. Okay, break dances, okay. I've heard. 
I've got <laughs> some coworkers that do. Yeah, grew up doing that. <laughs> Filipino. I'm probably, probably two or four in the. In the uh, but I'm challenging uh, just, you. Yeah, <laughs> I like to. Uh, I like to. I like to exercise. Like uh-huh. I like martial arts. I like martial arts. Very you know? cool. So, Any like, particular art form of it? Um, when I was younger, it was uh, boxing and jujitsu. Okay. And and now that I'm older, it's like it's tai chi and yoga. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Maybe yoga is not martial arts, but respect, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but staying staying physically, try to stay physical because you know you got to get up and act right. You got to swing swords. Everyone. There you go. Yeah, that core work. Very cool. Very cool. You know what? I'm jumping on this, right? And I'm 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 only 25, right? (laughs) Me and I, you know, it's true. I'm only 25. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just you know, just 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 roll with it. Okay. Yeah. Every animator out there, right? You're and I. We said this even lower, like like you know, eight, ten years ago. I was like, you're an animator, you're an actor, and you're a director. (laughs) As an actor, right? You know, now there's this performance, but this audio, you know, stunt performance, it's very important. <laughs> and I want to encourage people to stay healthy, get out there, be active, find any hobby. It could be tennis, could be martial arts, could be running. It will help you <laughs> when you need to reference yourself. <laughs> yeah. Trying yeah. to, like, you get in the game industry or film industry, mm-hmm. or you have to, like, do this crazy shot and you're trying to understand it, it'd be really good to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. do your own reference or at least explore it and see, you know, understand what you're trying to do. So, yeah, uh, exercise yeah. is good. Yeah, <laughs> which I need to do. Well, more of. well, I think I think in that respect, um, and this is my pet theory, is that I think um, both jujitsu and uh, dancing in front of a mirror as a kid, you know, break dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those two things really helped me out a lot in terms of just being aware of what my body is doing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, uh, you know, I know a lot of people shoot reference, but a lot of times for me, it's just enough to get up and do it yeah and without having to record and i think because of that awareness um i think it serves me a little bit a little bit more just being you know having experience in those things yeah yeah for sure okay i'm I, i've got one more question rick so unless you got another one here mike my, my question is how is your approach because that was actually what i was going to go to about do you shoot reference do you you mentioned you have an illustrator background from back in the day do you do mm-hmm. any thumbnails, things like that. What, what is your process? And I'm sure it may vary from character or something like that or shot, but yeah. what is your process? So I think here I, I can kind of confine it because I, I have a different process for different situations, but okay. I'll, I'll give you an example of like I'm working with a designer to do combat. So the, usually the thing is I'll get a verbal and then I'll get some parameters from them. I'm like, Hey, this is how long it should be approximately like, let's say like a, a sword swing. This is how long it should be. This is where it should contact. And then what I'll do is that I will as fast as possible give them a version that will function for them. So I'll do that really fast, which is like a block out, right? Uh, maybe maybe six poses, right? Three at the minimum, you know, and try not to go too, too far, space out uh, the timing. And then from there, once I get a confirm, like this is where we're going to go, I'll go from a from those poses, and then I'll start working it through in polish. So you, you don't typically shoot a whole lot of reference at all. Um, like you said, you kind of maybe get up, you can feel. Okay, this is how the. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I actually, I, I keep like a staff, a sword, a hammer, 
uh, all rubber, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rifle, 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 pistol, handgun. I keep them all near me. Gotcha. So as soon as, soon as I, I get an assignment, I'm, I'll, I'll try to, to figure it out. Yeah, I'll try to figure it out visually. And then as I'm polishing, I will get up every once in a while and step through the motion myself to try to get the, the, the details in. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So when you are putting, when you provide the, when you provide your animation to, you know, to the designer or it's implemented, right? You know, you do three to six poses. Have, have you already kind of like figured out or, you know, put some of the style of, of the motion in there? Or is it just more like for the mechanical needs and, and validating the prototype or, you know, mm -hmm. the timing and speed, you know, three C's say, yes, this works. This is the time frame. This is what I have to work within, and then I will add mm -hmm. the, the style. Like, how does that? How do you go? How do you? Are you trying to put a little style up front, or? Yeah, like um, it really depends on. Uh, a lot of times, it depends on the designer and the assignment. I think uh, there was an emphasis of style in um, expressing characters, like in Heroes of the Storm. There's yeah. a huge emphasis on style, so I try to make sure that I have some of the style there, you know, trying mm -hmm. to hit iconic things. It's, and also also in God of War too, right? Mm -hmm. Kratos yeah. has things that he does that makes Kratos Kratos, yeah. right? So you got to make sure that that's there. But I would say, I would say maybe half the time I'm trying to hit style and then the other half is like functional. And then they kind of, well, also too, like in the very beginning, you want to prove that you're able to hit the style, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's a little bit more emphasis on style in the beginning. And then as you kind of gain trust and a good relationship with the team and the designer, uh, they kind of know what they're going to get from you. So yeah. it's more about hitting, hitting the technicals and then adding the style afterwards. Interesting. Interesting. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, the, the reason I asked, like, and I also one, like, it also depends on where you're production. If you just starting off, right. And this is a new IP, uh, you know, you're not, you can put style, but I think I always look for making sure the, the functionality of the game can actually be responsive and fun. And then mm -hmm. when I have that foundation of like, I know what the game's about, what, you know, how it feels, the mechanics, the, 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 you know, the flow of the game, then I'm like, okay, now I can add, or now I want to add all the style on top of that. And sometimes mm -hmm. I do explore, like, let me just try, try to make it style, would it work? And I'm like, yeah. oh, great, it works. If I say like it's a great style, but it just doesn't work, it's too slow or whatever, then I will like, no, let me get just the functionality out, the timing and the feel, the distance. Then yeah. I put the style. So that's why I was asking you, like, you know, where yeah. like where 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 or like how you're thinking, you know? Yeah. Like I have a I have a, a large and sometimes this is this isn't always conducive to making um, portfolio pieces, but I have a I concentrate a lot on failing fast. So my mm -hmm. process is like, how do I make as many iterations as possible? Yeah. Right. How, how can I iterate as fast as possible? You know, so that, that's kind of my, I guess my, my bread and butter and it works 90% of the time, maybe most of the time. It doesn't work for all situations, but oh, in the production and yeah. in, in production environment, I want to make sure that I have boom, boom, boom. I can, I, I can, uh, I can do the, do the work. Yeah. yeah. So we'll repeat you, uh, to everyone listening, you know, failing fast is not failing. It's actually learning, mm -hmm. like learning that it works. That's where my, everyone knows my, one of my favorite words at Ubisoft when I'm walking the halls, like, did you validate it? 
know, like, <laughs> did you just try it quickly? No, nope, didn't work. Try this. Didn't work. Yeah. Uh, you found, yeah. you found what works. Try to repeat it. It worked again. You're on the right path. So I think that, you know, the idea of like, um, trying things quickly and not being attached, which you also said mm-hmm. not being attached is a great learning that, that we can share with, with the audience that listen. And to me, that is, that's fascinating. And, and do you also use that when you're uh, approaching uh, like the complete animation? Like, you know, you get a whole set. Are you just trying things out really quickly or, or you just do one animation say, you know what, I figured, like I learned, you know, what I want to do and I figured out the character or you just try to do a bunch of things? Um, I think to, to, well, yeah, that's also something else that I, I usually emphasize even when I teach for more for intermediate to advanced students. I try to work on like three things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because I like I much like who is it? I, I, I was watching a a concept artist do this, but he would work on you know he would have a scene and he would do three different versions of mm-hmm. it, and he'd work on it at the same time. It's like it's the same thing as like flipping the uh, yeah. reversing yeah. the image, yeah. right, right? Reversing the image or playing the video backwards, yeah, yeah, just to get a better look at keep, it, yeah. yeah, to keep your eyes fresh, right? So I I try to work, especially if you're only doing like like cycles, attacks, you know, you know, short, short, maybe one to three second animations, work on three at the same time mm. or three or more. You know. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. Well, Michael, again, I thank you so much for your time. We look forward to getting you in on this uh, podcast as well as teaching in our workshops. Uh, it's always a neat opportunity to get guys like you teaching in our workshops and, and teaching like Rick saying that next that next level where people are coming in and wanting to grow their skills in preparation for the future. So um, thank you so much. This has been an awesome podcast and look forward to having you as an instructor. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to working with you guys. All right. With that, we're out. <laughs>